Wow, thank you. Some things are worth getting older for, right there. I tried to quit having birthdays a while back, but they just keep coming over and over and over again. Love you guys. Excited for you this next week as you uh, prepare your hearts and your, your spirits to see what God has for you and the leadership that's coming. And just pray that God's wisdom and his um, discernment and his encouragement will come um, not only to the search committee, which is one part of it, and to the candidate, Charlton, which is another part of it, but to, to the body. It takes all those components coming together and you go, you'll just look back and say, wow, God was in it and God, God is good. So I'm praying that that, that that becomes very clear to you this, this next week. So avail yourself to as many opportunities as you can to meet Charlton and Cindy and his lovely daughter and, um, and just enjoy the Enjoy the way God starts to move and work in your lives. One of the most eventful years in a person's life, other than like the birthday I just had, is when you turn 16. Can you remember that? 16 years of age, you're now eligible to, uh, to drive. But we just don't let you just go drive. You have to go to the motor vehicle department and you have to stand in line and you have to take a test and hopefully you pass and then they give you a license to drive because cars, automobiles, driving is really a life and death event. Now when we're 16, we don't believe that. We don't even go that route. But if you've been around long enough, you know and you recognize life and death hangs in a balance with driving. I have a friend who's a, who's a hunter. Um, he, he hunts about anything he can hunt. He, he shoots birds, which I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I have a big old host of pigeons that I would like to introduce him to. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but when he, like when he shoots bunnies, precious bunnies, that's another story. And, and every now and again, he goes after Bambi. I'm like, <laughs> Bambi, no. But he doesn't do that without first getting a license to do so because guns are life and death. In the book of Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs and all his wisdom points out something that is even stronger and more powerful that is all about life and death. And every one of us are issued this one thing that has the power not only to take a life physically, but to take a soul. That one thing is a mouth. It's our tongue. And in the book of Proverbs, probably more than any other subject in that whole book, he goes to this very thing about the mouth and the tongue over and over and over again. One time he says, the power of life and death is in our words. It's in our mouth. It's in our tongue. I want to narrow it down a little bit because it fits into the, into the outline and, and the, of the journal that you're going through. I want to just talk a little bit about one little, one little sliver of what our tongue does. I'm going to call your attention to Proverbs 15.4. It says this, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. But a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A deceitful tongue 
crushes the spirit. So while we're talking about connecting and relationships and, and all that kind of thing, the biggest killer of connection and the biggest killer of, of a healthy relationship is deception. It, it crushes us. Lying crushes our spirit. It crushes the spirit of the person that we're lying to. And, and the opposite of loving, you would think we would just say is hate. So when we have love one another, and Lindsay did so great of a job last week of talking about how we love one another, to flip the opposite, we would say, well, that hating one another. And what Proverbs would say, well, yeah, but you know what, you know what, what that's all about? When we lie to one another, it's like, it's like hating one another. It's, it's the opposite of that love, and yet we all lie. Every one of us lies. I don't know when it, it starts exactly. Um, if you have junior high kids, you know they're experts already by the time they get them. When does a child actually learn to lie? The easy answer is when they start to talk. But you know, there's studies actually that are done that even before they talk, they lie. That, that, you know, when they get to crying, even though there's no distress, they know they can tug at your heart strings and pull you in and you'll interrupt everything to grab them and hug them. And they're looking at you with their deceitful, psychopathic eyes and going, I gotcha. I gotcha. Six months old, they learn to lie. But even when they're young, they're not real good at it. It takes us a while to become an expert. Here's a little clip of a, of a child who's uh, still progressing in their, in their opportunities of lying. Take, take a look at this guy. John, what are you eating? Okay. You didn't eat anything. Yeah. Okay. John, look at mommy. Anything. Are you telling me the truth? Yeah. You didn't have any snacks? Nope. Let me see. You don't have any snacks. Open wide, let me see. Really, you didn't have any sex. Oh. John, come here. John, can you explain to me why, why the sprinkles are empty? You have sprinkles on your face. Um, you have sprinkles on your face, for Pete's sake. Where do, where do kids learn to lie? From big people? Because we all, we all lie. It, it's, it's something that... We don't want to really admit, but we do. We lie about just about everything. Every culture lies. We lie about our motives. We lie about why we're late. We lie about why we didn't come. We lie about our taxes. We lie about our expense accounts. We lie about our resumes. We lie about games. You know, golfers, put me down for a, a six. Really? Well, I really like you to put me down for a four, but I got an eight. You probably won't believe 
four, so six. Kind of a Goldilocks lie in between there, not too long, not too big. We lied to get stuff. We lied to sell stuff. We lied to impress people. We lied to get out of trouble. We sometimes hear about politicians lying. Sometimes even the media is accused of lying. There's this thing called spin that just goes on there. Propaganda. You know, even in church we lie. In church. In church we come and we want to pretend or we want to hide, but lie. The, the, the number one thing we lie about, deep research is getting, the number one thing we lie about is about lying. We lie about lying. I could do a little poll if it would be kind of interesting. If, if you've lied, you don't even have to answer this because I don't want to put you in this position of lying in church. But if you lied in the, like the last 24 hours, just think about would you raise your hand. If you lied in the last 24 hours, now some of you are really, it's, the buses are waiting. I, I see those hands. Um, those of us who would not raise our hands probably are lying. <laughs> because... They say on the average, on average, the majority of people lie four times a day. That most people can't even get in a 10-minute conversation without lying a couple times. These are, this is not research done by church people trying to figure out ways that, you know, to nail you and get you to give in the offering. Or so this, this is social, social, social uh, research. Every, everybody about four times a day. I got to think, oh, there's no way. I'm going from... I'm going from Saturday to Sunday so I could raise my hands. I didn't lie for 24 hours. And then I was thinking about it last night as I went to sleep. I thought, well, I, I have a friend who's a big Gonzaga fan. And he was like living the, the, this death warmed over at halftime last night as Gonzaga was losing by 10. And he's texting me and I'm trying to console him. And I end up going, good luck. Good luck to Gonzaga and to you. And I thought about, I lied. I don't want Gonzaga to win. I don't even like Gonzaga. I want Gonzaga to lose, and I want him to be tortured for another six weeks. And I'm just saying, good luck, good luck. Yeah, right. We lie. We lie all the time. What, what does God think about our lies? Proverbs 12.22 says this, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. The Lord detests. The literal translation is, the, it, makes, it makes the Lord nauseous when we lie. It's like he throws up a little bit in his mouth every time, four times a day with each one of us. He's like, what? These are my people. And you would think, you know, it's like, we don't think he knows. And he's going, hey, see the sprinkle coming out your nose there? In, in an earlier chapter in, in Proverbs, it says that the Lord detests seven things. He hates seven things. The second on that list is a lying tongue. It's second only to arrogance, which is number one, and murder, which is underneath that. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal to God, and it makes him nauseous. And even though we value following after God and we value our connections and we value our relationships, and we even hear this, that this kind of has a tendency to affect our relationships. 
we still choose the path of deception over and over and over and over again. And just in case you're feeling really shameful and guilty, let me just tell you the club that you're in about lying from the Bible. Adam, Eve, Cain, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Aaron, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Rachel, David, Samson, Herod, Ananias, Sapphira, and Peter. Peter, the disciple who, who followed Jesus, who, who made statements that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on statements like that. I'm going to build my church on, on the shoulders of you. And one day... Jesus says, you know, you're all going to just disown me. You're just going to leave. And, G- and Peter says, no way, no way, no way. Oh, before the day's over, you're going to lie three times. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna just deny me three times. I would die before I would ever deny you. And then a little girl comes up to him and says, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? No, 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 no. Never knew him. And three times before the end of the day, he's denying Jesus. He's lying. I, I don't know him. I've never seen him. I don't know who this guy is. How do you go from I, I will die for you to I will lie for me? How do we go from that kind of a relationship to it's just all about me and protecting me and gaining my own security and making you think the best things about me? We go on a path of deception. Wouldn't it be better if we followed a path of honesty rather than a path of deception? I'm going to give you three little easy things. This, is, this isn't really, 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 really difficult theology. But when you start to put it into practice, it might be a little bit more difficult. The first one is this. Be honest with yourself. If you're going to go on a path of honesty, start by being honest to yourself. See, when I'm starting to talk about this message... I'm thinking, this message is for you, not me. And you're thinking, oh, I've got about, I wish my, I wish my spouse was here today. I wish my neighbor was here today. I wish my coworker, I know about five people that need to hear this today. And I want to say, wait, 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 probably be good for all of them. But start with yourself. Start with yourself. Honesty is one of those things that, that we, we, we value but we don't think that we are dishonest people. And yet all the statistics are telling us just the opposite. Start with yourself. Begin with yourself. You, um, you need to recognize that, the, that the, the language of our enemy, Satan, is lies. Jesus is talking in the, in the eighth chapter of John and he says when when he, Satan, lies, he speaks his native tongue. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. And what, what our enemy loves to do is to get us to speak his language, to get us on the path of lying. Because after a while, we start to rationalize these lies. We make excuses for them. I just do this because, or it's, it's really somebody else's fault, and we, we lay blame on somebody else, or, or because of our circumstances. I don't normally do this, but I have, we, we have so many excuses. We rationalize and rationalize, and then we double down on the lies to lie a little bit more to cover up for the first lie so that doesn't get uncovered. And then another lie on top of that, and we rationalize, and we double down, and we build it before long. We believe our own lies, and we believe that that lie is true. And we've told it so often, it becomes our narrative. 
And if we're not careful before long, not only are we believing the lies that we're telling, we're living the lie that we tell. So that we can come to church, smile and all dress up, pretend like everything's great and we're perfect, and then go from here and be a completely different person because we're living a lie. Instagram and Facebook would, would tell people that you are your perfect family person, you're a great mom, dad, husband, wife, but you know deep down that there's, there's just a lot of stuff you're hiding. But we want others to think the best of us, to be impressed with us, to not know who deep down we are because we're not real sure they'd love us. And Satan gets us into this, this grip of bondage because, because we're speaking his language and we're living his lifestyle. I can remember uh, reading a portion of scripture, you hear it all the time about David and Bathsheba where David commits adultery, he tries to cover it up, tries to bring the husband home to cover up, he, he doesn't buy it, he has to, he has to commit, commit murder of the husband and um, he got, he's got murder, he's got lying, he's got adultery, and then one day a prophet comes up to him and says, hey, hey David, let me tell you a little story. There's a guy with a bunch of sheep, and um, there was one guy that just had one little sheep all by himself, and somebody came, and instead of taking a lamb for a sacrifice from this guy who had all the sheep, he took the one that had only one. He took his very best lamb, the only one he had, and sacrificed. And David said, are you kidding me? That guy should die. And Nathan the prophet said, David, you're the man. You're the man. When we talk about lying, here's what, I, here's what I know. Just perhaps the Holy Spirit will say, hey, 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 you're the woman. You're the man. Start with yourself. Before you build anything else into your relationships, before you, you deal with any other, you got to admit that I have, a, I have a tendency to lean in, my broken, sinful nature, to lean into living dishonestly, speaking dishonestly, taking a language that I don't want to speak, the, the language of Satan himself. Be honest with yourself. Secondly, be honest with God. Be honest with God. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So you, you start with that. So, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to lie to myself. I, I don't have sin in my life. I don't, I don't have a problem with this. I don't have a problem sinning. I, I can just live this life deceiving myself. You can deceive yourself all you want. What's not said in here, but what's kind of understood is you're not deceiving God. He knows. He sees the little sprinkle on your, on your cheek. He knows who you are. He knows all about you. But instead of just squishing you or smashing you or judging you, here's what happens. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you confess to God, if, you, if you're open and honest with him, if you let him in and let him know that what you have and what you, what you see there is something he already knows and you, you recognize it, he, he's faithful to forgive it. Psalms 31, or excuse me, 32, one through five, David has these great words. He says, blessed is he whose transgressions 
are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Isn't that a blessing? Your transgressions are, for, are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You can, you can see the, the conflict in him as he's, he's wasting away his his energy is gone. He's tired. He's living this lie. He's living this two-life system. He's saying one thing, living another way. He's, he's saying things that, that he, he doesn't even want to say. His, his sin is just hanging out of him so much as his bondage to it. And yet when he recognizes, I will no longer be deceitful in my spirit. I will no longer cover up my iniquities. I will confess it to God. He finds out God already knows. God sees the little sprinkle already. And in that repentance, forgives him. Early on in my life, I, 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 was, I lied for a reason. I don't even know why I lied. Just because I'm human, I guess. I, I was a kid. I was supposed to wait for Mrs. Arevalo to give me a ride to school. She came late. I walked. My parents told me never walk to school. I walked because I was going to be late to school. I walked. It was a good motivation. I walked. They, they, that day, my parents came home and said, how was school? Fine. Miss Revelo come pick you up? Yeah. What? No, she didn't. Yeah, she came. She picked me up. Uh, I was afraid if, if they found out I walked to school, I'd get a spanking. Mrs. Revelo got a call the next day. Actually, she called my mom. Hope Don's okay. He wasn't there when I came to pick him up. Don, did you get a ride with Mr. Revelo? Yes. She just said you didn't. Oh, uh, Mrs. Douglas, the neighbor, picked me up instead. Shall we go to Mrs. Douglas's house? Well, if you want to. I went all week. I could not get it out. I walked. I was afraid I'd get spanked for it. That Saturday, there was a parade. My, my mom came in my room and said, you are not going to the parade until you tell me the truth. How'd you get to school? I, hours went by. Till five minutes before the parade started, I wanted to go to so bad. And finally, I blurted out, I walked. And she goes, I know. <laughs> and then she said this to me. My dad came in the room as well. I said, oh, no, oh, no, here he comes. This is, this is not going to be good. He said, Don, we will never spank you if you'll just tell us the truth. There might be some consequences for what you've done. There might be some kind of punishment. We will never spank you if you just tell me the truth. We want our child to be honest. And I think, you know, that's what God's saying. Will you just, will you just tell me the truth? Will you, just, will you just be open to me? I, I don't want to spank you. I want to forgive you. But I need you to... Honestly, look at it, your sin and your iniquity yourself, your shortcoming, and I need you to confess it to me. And I'm faithful, I'm just. In fact, I sent Jesus to do just that. Be honest with God. Thirdly, be honest with others. Be honest with others. First, you're honest with yourself. 
Then you're honest with God. You find out that he forgives you, that he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, that he guards you, that he keeps you. And then that allows me to be able to be honest to others so that my relationship does not need to be built with others on deceit, but on honesty. So that the bondage of my, of my lying doesn't need to be the characteristic of my relationships, but the freedom of truth in Jesus can be. And it's so hard with other people. Do you ever have somebody say, okay, I'm gonna tell you the truth now. It's like, well, have you been lying for all these other? <laughs> now I'm gonna tell you the truth. His, honestly speaking now, like, you've been lying the whole time. It's just easier. It's easier to go down that road, but it, it just, it wilts our, our spirits. It crushes our spirits. And a relationship like that is not built on love if it's built on deception. But here's what I want you to see that's, that's huge. We sometimes miss this in scripture. When we confess our sins to God, when we're honest with God, he forgives us. When we're honest and we confess our sins to one another, there's healing. There's healing. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. So that you might be healed. That there's something that happens when, when we recognize, I mean, it doesn't mean every time you go to church you're confessing with everybody, you know, hey, should have seen me last night. You know, I mean, but that's somewhere, and in the whole series we've been talking about find a hope group, a support group, a community group, a group of people that you can just be wide open and just say, you know what, I don't have to pretend with you. I don't have to hide with you. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I have a problem. Here's where I have an issue. And we confess to one another. We pray for one another. And a healing comes into that relationship that if you've ever been in a community of other men and other women or whatever, married couples that, that are like in re-engage or Marriage Monday, you find that that community and those relationships take on a depth that no other relationship takes on. That when, when relationships are built on, on deceit and lying, there's a bondage that comes that just drags them down and eventually something's going to explode. But when relationships are built on honesty, truth comes, freedom comes. So Satan says, hey, speak a lie. It's my language. I want you to speak the lies. Don't everybody's lying four times a day. Most people lie. If it, if it helps, if the lie suits your purposes, lie. I mean, that's his language. Believe the lie. Ah, go ahead and live the lie. Jesus comes in and says, I'm the truth. Believe the truth. Believe me. Speak, speak the truth. Walk in the truth. And here's his promise. The truth shall set you free. Do I want to build relationships on bondage? I want to build relationships on freedom. 
What I love about Mountain Park, this is a place where you can be not perfect, but you can find people who will walk with you. That as you confess to Jesus and receive his forgiveness, you find people who will walk alongside you to help you heal up so that your marriage can be healthier, your families can be healthier, your walk with your friends can be healthier. And your spirit doesn't get crushed, but comes alive as a tree of life. And everywhere the tree spreads its shade, brings coolness. And the fruit of that tree is sweet, sweet, sweet to the taste. Heavenly Father, you have shown us this beautiful, beautiful thing of truth. So simple to talk about, not so easy to put into practice. Today, after we sing this song, as the worship team is coming, as always, we have prayer people down here, Lord, and if it helps, would you, would you use these prayer people to touch lives that we can just be open before you? And would you do what only you can do, bring freedom to our bondage, strength to our, our lame walking and healing and wholeness to our soul, in Jesus' name.